Last summer, the world watched as the US withdrew from Afghanistan. The Taliban pushed towards Kabul. Thousands of people raced to escape. On the street, there was a rush of people. Oh, Taliban came. I thought that they will kill you. This is the story of how it happened. I told my family, if we make it, we make it. No other chance is waiting for us. Kabul Falling from Project Raisin and PRX is available now wherever you listen. This is people. 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 This is people like us with me, Kim Rattas, a podcast by Project Brazen in partnership with PRX. Hi, everyone. This is a bonus episode of People Like Us. The first season has now ended and the feedback has been great. You've been tuning in from the US, from Saudi Arabia, from Spain, from Brazil, from Lebanon, of course, as well. And it's been great to hear from all of you. So we do have some bonus episodes still coming. So keep sending us your comments and questions on Twitter and Instagram on at people like us pod. For this bonus episode, I'm speaking to the creative brains behind the music and the logo design. Jamal Saleh and Haik Papazian. It's great to have you both on the show. Jamal, you're in Beirut. I'm in Beirut as well. Uh, Haik, you're joining us from New York. First of all, let me say thank you to both for the incredible work you did for the show. I absolutely loved the logo. Jamal, you hit it out of the park. And I play the music on repeat. And I know for a fact that I'm not the only one. So thanks again. I want to start by asking you each to introduce yourselves in your own words for our listeners. Jamal, let's start with you. Tell us who you are and what you do. All right. So first, thank you for trusting us with uh, the creative process. My name is Jamal. I'm a collage artist and a multidisciplinary designer uh, based in Beirut with a focus on media. I am currently the creative director of uh, Megaphone, which is an alternative digital media platform here in Lebanon. It does incredible interactive work on Instagram. It's got an incredible way of engaging with its audience. And kudos to you, Jamal, for being uh, there from the beginning. It's been incredibly um, successful. You're also you. a graduate of the American University of Beirut, which is my alma mater. Yes, the BFA of 2014. Hi, you are also uh, a graduate of the American University of Beirut. We've got a little AUB gang going here. And you need little introduction. You're the violinist of Mashrua Layla, the Middle East's favorite band, certainly my favorite band. Each member of the band is an artist in his own right as well. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Hi Papazian. So my background is in architecture. Many people don't know that part. And I guess like a lot of uh, my work other than music is also informed by my studies uh, in architecture and kind of like growing up in Beirut. So I do a lot of work, sound design in installations, uh, performance art, I'm writing a children's book recently. So I've been doing like a lot of work that's kind of like interdisciplinary and very collaborative. When did you start playing the violin? At what age? The violin, I started playing at the age of, I think when I was seven or eight. 
And Mashrua Layla was kind of born on the AUB campus, on the campus of the American University as the project for one evening. So tell us a little bit more about how this came about and what turned into an incredible success for over a decade. We were all kind of like studying in the Department of Architecture and Design. And somehow, I guess the group of us that ended up together doing this musical workshop was to be able to continue doing creative projects other than architecture. So when we first met, I guess there was this chemistry, you know, between the seven of us back then we were seven. And uh, it was a way for us to kind of like just write music or play music that we sort of wanted to listen to. And that we all wanted to listen to. Did, did you ever imagine that it would become a band that would go tour around the world? Not in the, the beginning, not in the beginning. Even like to think about like music, the way that we think about design as something that's continuously changing and evolving with every track, every album, like throughout the years. Personal growth for us, like to collaborating and touring and uh, just uh, seeing like where the music has been taking us. And it created space for LGBTQ discussions and rights and expanded the space for all of us and freedoms for, for all of us. And you later came under a lot of pressure, which we'll get into uh, in a moment as well. Jamal, when I came to you for this project, People Like Us, we talked about colors, we talked about identity, we talked about wanting it to be from the Middle East, but also have a universal appeal. And we talked about what we did not want it to be. What I really liked about the process is that you insisted on working with someone who's local, because there are a lot of issues of representation of our culture. This issue is uh, something we face a lot in this creative process about the Orientalist, exotic, stereotypical uh, kind of approach towards uh, design when it comes to Arabic. Or it's also related to how we ourselves try to represent ourselves. We have a very rich culture, so how much of it do we reduce? Do we flatten it? Do we modernize it? How do we go about it? So there, there are always a lot of questions when it comes to designing with Arabic, especially when it's designing Arabic for an international audience. I'm sure Hag faced the same thing with music. What's nice about um, Arabic there is that it's not translation uh, word by word, but it's something that uh, can also work with the English and complement it. Yeah, let, let me just uh, stop you here. For those who don't read Arabic, uh, and who may not have noticed the Arabic script in the background of the logo. The name of the show, of course, is People Like Us. But the words that we used in the background in Arabic calligraphy, and Jamal, I'll let you describe it in, in more detail, is Nas Unas, which if we translate literally, is means people and people. And the way this came about, the way the name of the show actually came about, comes from the Arabic, where we were trying to come up with a name and I was sitting down with friends and I was trying to explain to them what the goal of this podcast was going to be. And they said in Arabic, so you mean people and people, nasu nas. I said, yes, but we don't want it to be only a name in Arabic. We want it to appeal to a large audience. And then somebody said, so you mean it's about people? And then I said, yes. That's how we came up with people like us when one of them Said, so what you're trying to say is that they and them, were, they're just like us and we're just like them. So it became a combination of people like us and we wanted to keep the nasunas. And that's what I brought to you, Jamal, for the English and the Arabic. Yeah, 
so the English uh, is a lowercase because I want it to be conversational, closer to the people. It has a bit of the richness of the conversations that were on this podcast. And the Arabic works with it. It's in the background, but it's also not just an illustrative thing. It's stripped um, um, bare to its outlines. And they come together and they merge and they open and close with the music as well, the animation. So um, to form this playful and interactive background. I remember when you came to me with the first proposal, you had many options. And at first I was a bit lost because so many of them were great. But we kept going back to that first one, which is the one we ended up with, which is really representative of what the show is trying to do. So you really hit it out of the park. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. William Verres is in big trouble. This is police! He is accused of running a pan-European art smuggling ring with ties to the Sicilian Mafia. And if convicted, he faces up to 20 years in prison. He's called the professor by uh, dealers and traffickers. To stay out of jail, William Verres plans to find a $100 million painting, Caravaggio's Nativity, I once asked, how many mobsters do you know in Sicily? He said, well, officially, none. From Brazen and PRX, listen to The Professor wherever you get your podcasts. Out now. All right, we are back and I'm going to turn to Hike. Hike, obviously, I love Mashua Leila's music. It's the music I listen to when I'm writing, I listen to it on repeat when I was writing my book, Black Wave. I listen to it when I'm walking the dog, when I'm driving. And it provided inspiration for the podcast, but it was also important for the show and for you to have something distinct that was really your creation. What was the the process? And again, as Jamal said, we really wanted to work with local artists. I know you're in New York, but you're very much ours in the region? The creative process is very personal and it's like very precious and it's very difficult sometimes to let other people in. And I guess like it was the first time that I had to work for a very specific brief. It was kind of complex like to translate that idea musically and to even in the beginning like convince you of the music and then to see like uh, how other people would react to it like afterwards as well. The idea was that to have like all these layers and layers that would sort of like act together as a mesh and create somehow like the main sound and main theme and then to have those parts separately as well and then to just uh, dissect it and then have it set the mood for different parts of the podcast. And I guess like the musically, I remember sending you the first attempt and I knew like from your reaction, for example, that that was a no-go. And then this one, when I sent you from the beginning and like we're on video call and I knew like <laughs> from the that moment that your eyes were like, kind of like uh, popped up and you were like, oh, this is it. How would you describe the music that we have? What is it? What does it represent? Where is it from? I wanted to create something that's a little bit kind of like sounds almost familiar. It reminds me of this particular thing and you can't like uh, get your head around it. I feel like that feeling makes it almost kind of like living in Beirut or I mean, 
there's so many kind of like influence that we had like growing up. And I feel like the podcast is trying to tackle like a lot of different issues. Some of them are local, some of them are global. And I remember even when you were sending the logo design, it kind of like that process as well of looking at how that was evolving was also inspiring like the evolution of the kind of like music as well. So you'd never worked on music for a podcast before. What was different about producing this? And what did you learn from the process? It being like a musical representation of the theme of the idea of uh, what the show is about. And it'll have, I guess, like its own life. I remember when I was a kid, like TV shows or had like their own kind of like musical uh, uh, themes for the opening credits or the end credits. And when you remember that music, you remember the show. So it's kind of like the two are inseparable. Yeah. Jamal, let me turn uh, to you. What was different for you about creating a logo for a podcast? And you alluded already to some of the tensions that exist there in trying to represent the region for an outside gaze, but trying to stay true to ourselves. How was the podcast able to allow you to express that tension in a different way? So what's nice about our field is that it's a field that's always informed by a lot of things happening around social, political, everything. And you mentioned uh, AUB and the Department of Design, and I think it did a great job at introducing us to international design concepts and also local knowledge. There's still a lot to learn about our own graphic design history in order to know how to go about and work and be comfortable with your identity visually, I mean. And this is something, this is attention a lot of the designers uh, do face. And it's an identity issue that a lot of us struggle with. There are a lot of decisions, a lot of political decisions that you make as a designer, whether it's in the language and the, and the fonts and the choices of the framing. A lot of things go into every single small decision. And I think there should be more, um, for example, we don't have a good archive of what we have. A recent, actually, book that was published, uh, History of Arab Design by Bahia Shab and Haifam uh, Nawaj, tried to do that. And of course, a lot of other uh, historians tried to do that, but there's still a lot to do in order for us to be um, informed about our past in order to make better decisions about, you know, our identity. Hi, as a band, Majura Layla meant so, so much to so many, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fans across the region and the world. Your lead singer, Hamid Sinno, recently said that you're no longer a band or you're on hiatus. Your fans don't really want to believe it. So what can you tell us about Mashrua Layla, past, present and, and future? We had to kind of like a, take a break uh, just because of the pandemic and kind of like the last two years of the band where there was... I guess like a lot of things happen. I think it takes time like to process a lot of pressure. So it takes time to process uh, kind of like all of that and see where we would take things, you know, in the future. I mean, the media usually likes to interpret certain uh, aspects like uh, of an interview, you know, they take things out of context. So I guess like Hamid's words were 
taken out of context as well. And like the announcements all of a sudden were like in all the kind of like news. It was surprising yeah, for I us. Yeah, I had friends like, calling it. me crying about this. Akem, can I say something? I think since we're talking about the creative process, uh, we owe it to them creatively to have this freedom to say, we're going to take a break from this thing now and we're going to pursue other things. We're, uh, we're, have, we're feeling pressure, we're tired, or uh, I don't know, we want to pursue other things at the moment. This is all part of the creative process. And I think it's uh, as viewers, as listeners to the band, we kind of feel selfish that no, we want them to produce more. And maybe they will in the future, but this is all part of uh, growth. And uh, I mean, I can't wait to see what them individually, what they can offer or what they're planning on doing. Yeah, everybody's kind of trying to focus on their own work as well and mm -hmm. to take care of the, themselves and their families and their own personal lives because the last years were difficult. And to be an independent band like in the Middle East where you rely on touring and a lot of that had stopped in the pandemic. So we had to figure out like how that aspect and also like the crisis like in Lebanon was affecting our mobility, our economic situation. It's factors that have affected like our decision to just uh, just take a break for a little bit, uh, figure out like what the next steps would be for us personally, and then uh, reconvene, you know, at some point. Mm. So, and, and you wrote a very powerful piece in June for The Guardian. My band was silenced in the Middle East, but a global queer community gives me strength. And there's a fantastic uh, documentary, I think, if I'm not mistaken, by The Guardian about what you represented for so many um, across the region and the world. And I strongly encourage uh, people to watch it. It's called Beirut Dreams in Color, and you can find it on The Guardian. Hi, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, so I'm working on a couple of projects. One of them has been ongoing for the last two years. It's a cross-disciplinary body of work called Space Time Tuning Machine. It's part... Uh, sound installation piece, part storytelling and part like performance art. It's it kind of like, yeah, explores the multifaceted meanings of home, of living in exile, sort of like far away from what for a lot of people uh, being estranged, you know, from the place that they consider is where home is. And this idea that home can be something that uh, you take with you and it multiplies and you it just pours into the work and the creative work that you're doing. For me, it was a very kind of personal project, very vulnerable as well, like to uh, perform something that is that personal and completely by myself with because I'm used to performing, you know, with other people. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you're just putting mm -hmm. yourself and your work out there. You just had a show in Los Angeles, is that right? Yeah, I, I just had a performance at the Broad Museum in LA and at Human Resources as well. So it's funny because like the project is constantly evolving and every one of these performances have informed where it's going. It's opening up to a lot of like collaborations with other artists as well. And I think collaborations have been part of, I guess, uh, the way Mashorela worked and the mm -hmm. way even as architects we work somehow, there's something very exciting about working with another artist or with another performer who whose work kind of like adds to your work, but it mm -hmm. makes it makes it elevates it in a different way than 
what you would do on your own. So you just have to figure out like the balance not to lose yourself in the collaboration. I guess it's the same for the podcast as well. Exactly. You have to kind of like figure out like a way to balance my ideas and, and, with the ideas of the show. And with the logo. And you used a word that I want to repeat here and end with that, uh, which is to elevate. I mean, both your music and Jamal's logo have really elevated the show and made its identity very distinct. And the feedback from around the world has been really fantastic. And I'm so glad that with Project Brazen, the production house, we chose to um, go for local talent, uh, not commission somebody somewhere that we don't know, but really find the best out there in the region. Of course, I'm biased. So we went for, for Lebanon and I knew <laughs> both of you and I knew that, you know, this was the best that we could ask for. So thank you both again so much for helping to make people like us a podcast that looks and sounds exactly like we and the team envisioned it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for trusting us with Absolutely. The I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, we'll have another bonus episode coming up where I will answer your questions about the Middle East or American foreign policy or suggestions for future topics. So send us an email on people at peoplelikeuspod.com or send us a voice note through our website, www.peoplelikeuspod.com. Thank you for listening and join us next week. People Like Us is brought to you by Project Brazen and PRX. Executive producers Jane Beresford, Bradley Hope and Tom Wright. Research and production Farah Baba. Social media Noor Abdel Latif. Designed by Jamal Saleh and original music by Haik Papazian. Sound engineer Luka Djordjevic. People. Yes. Yes. People. 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 People.